0: Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. And what an evening we had tonight.
1: Yeah. Well, what, what you know, what we forgot to mention because I was not here on the last episode. Yeah. Is our UFO conference we went to. Yeah.
0: I, you know, things were so goofy last week, and I, you know, we had yeah. Fugate well, you didn't really attend
1: here. the UFO conference. So you stayed in the room, which is one of your trademark things you do.
0: I was having some issues that weekend, and I needed a rest. I wasn't feeling well. I was so well. You want to put all my shit out there. Now we'll put it oh, out there. I, was, I didn't. You offered I was it. Having some issues, and I needed to just rest. I was tired. I just and I know sometimes you're
1: all. like, eh, you go to these conferences, and then you just go, eh, and you shut the hotel door, and you don't come out. I'm like, why did I buy you a ticket?
0: No, no. I I went out and saw some people. I was I went and chatted with some people and hung out. I mean, it was nice to see all of our friends there. But I was having some. Well, the thing with my head, I was telling you, you know, what I'm the talking twitches. about the twitches, the I twitches, the twitches that came back and it just was bothering me and it just kind of put a damper on things a little bit. But regardless, it was a fantastic time. We got to see yes. all of our friends. It's, and I love that. I, lo- I just love that conference center. No, I love being on the water. It's, uh,
1: to anyone out there, again, I can't say it enough. That is a wonderful UFO conference. Uh, UFOs are up and coming. I think a lot of people that were interested strictly in like, quote, paranormal, like ghosts, that kind of thing. Are starting to branch out in the UFO world and see how things are connecting. Connect, yeah, yeah, Can't talk yeah. tonight. Connected. And uh it's just great speakers. Um we met Ryan Sprague and he was awesome. And come to find out, he's got a show on TV called Mysteries Decoded on the CW, and I was like, Oh, I don't have cable. So <laughs> so I was like, I'm sorry if it's not on Netflix. I I didn't know you had a show. I'm, but he also has a yeah. podcast called I think it's uh Oh gosh, somewhere in the sky. I'm going to be horrible about this, but he's got a UFO podcast that is excellent. Yeah. Um. So if you like uh, UFOs, you're into it. You like podcasts like ours, um, and you want just UFO, check out Ryan Sprague's because it, it's a good podcast.
0: So it was fantastic. It was we we good, can't it was good. can't recommend this conference. Michigan enough. UFO Contact. Yeah, MichiganUFOCon.com. dot com. That's yeah. the actual website. Yeah. You want to get more information. Yeah. I know they're planning on doing another one for 2020. And I know we'll be there for sure. And hopefully my head isn't jittering so I can actually go and hang out some more. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I got a lot of South Park watching in. So yeah. If there's any consolation.
1: Why is it when we go to conferences, there's always a, uh, what, what's the word?
0: A TV show? I
1: can, no, I can't stop thinking about Chinese food now. No, whenever you go. So, you when you Chinese food no, on the brain. When a TV show keeps going and doesn't stop.
0: Oh, you mean a marathon. Th- thank
1: you. Marathon. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. We had the, fair- we had the Forensic yeah, Files Marathon. you go to Troy
1: Taylor's Haunted America. And yeah, and we
0: were just... We were glued to the Forensic Files. It's nothing but Forensic
1: Files, which I hate. I love that show. And then... Radio
0: porn! Runner Porn!
1: This time it was South
0: Park, which I do like. South Park is amazing. So, yeah, but regardless... <laughs> This is not really a good advertisement for them at all. Even though they're not paying us for anything, no, they're not. But it, no, it's I a just, great, it's a great conference. No, I, it's it at really a great is. place, and it's
1: refreshing to go to conferences like this because a lot of the paranormal ones are turning into the same.
0: Well, they're massive, the same thing. It's just a, it's a huge thing, and it's. You know, this is a, you know, I mean, well,
1: or they're becoming pop culture events. You know, just like a Comic Con or something where people want to yeah, meet, meet this is people very much that are that. in on Ghost TV yeah. and and write, you know, whatever. No, I know what you're saying.
0: I know what you're saying. And this is very, very roots. Yeah. It's very awesome. And yeah, 10 points to everybody who puts it on. It's fantastic. So coming up, though, and these were some people that actually were at uh, Michigan UFO Contact 2, which we were just at. Yeah. And that's Joe and Jen from 222 Paranormal Podcast. They're putting on the Toledo Bigfoot and Paranormal Conference also, which is October 12th. And it's just a one-day thing, and I'm considering going out there for the day just to hang out. And it's that's only an hour away from where we're at, so I'm considering going out there. I know you got you're going somewhere else. I aren't will you? be at
1: a conference in Petoskey. You'll
0: be at what's the name of that conference <laughs> in
1: Northern Michigan, uh, Little Traverse Bay.
0: Little Traverse Bay. So you'll be yeah. speaking there.
1: No, I am just a I. You're I a spoke, spectator. Yes, I spoke the last three years, and it's this nice year I just get to sit there and drink and eat snacks and.
0: Yeah, I think we're spending more time as as the show, spending more time as spectators now, which is very nice. I enjoy that a lot more because the the table thing, yeah, it's cool and all, and I enjoy well, and it. Well, you and
1: Doug back in the day, you actually used to do a lot more lectures too. Yeah, we're not and that talk about stuff and. No.
0: But check out the Toledo Bigfoot and Paranormal Conference. It's in Toledo, Ohio, October twelfth. Joe and Jen from two 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 Paranormal Podcast, two fantastic people, dear friends of us on the show here. Um, We'll be there. Well, I'll be there. And who knows what else will be there. But check that out. It's totally cool. I don't know if there's a website or not. I don't know. Just Google it. It's not hard to find. Google it. Google it. I got it Googled right here. It's not hard to find. Toledo Bigfoot Conference. I Googled and Bam, it came right up. And I have
1: yet to go to a Bigfoot. Strictly a Bigfoot or cryptozoological conference yet.
0: I think we've been to a couple.
1: I don't think so.
0: Not us. I did have a light before you, you know. Oh,
1: you were going to Bigfoot like, yeah, that was you were going like to Bigfoot. Fo- that's where you were meeting people? That was my bachelor. That was my Foot. hard, Yeah, my hard yeah. bachelor
0: running years. Yeah, Bigfoot before conferences. Before we, we met. Was, uh, yeah, yeah. Was, okay. So you always come to this conference, baby? <laughs> yeah, what's going on? So, you, Jesus Christ. Stop. <laughs> Stop I mean, Let's enough. talk about T. T. Krulos. Yeah, let me read what this. What a dude. Yeah, Tell, so, tell me all about him, Amber.
1: Our, our guest tonight is T. Krulos. He's a freelance writer. He's an author. He's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Uh, Some of his favorite subjects to explore and write include everything from subcultures, people, places, uh, art, music, pop culture, all the things we love on the show. Yeah. So he's got great books that we talk about tonight. His first book was Heroes in the Night, Inside the Real Life Superhero Movement, where he follows people who actually believe they are superheroes to some extent. Dude. Uh, And then got sucked into his second book, which was Monster Hunters, On the Trail with ghost hunters big footers ufologists and other paranormal investigators uh and so we talked to him about that and his most recent apocalypse any day now which goes (laughs) and takes a look at the america's doomsday preppers and then he's got some future projects also coming out that we talked about so enjoy our yeah enjoy our conversation with t krulos You can go All right, so on tonight's episode, we have a super fun author. Uh, if you're out there and you listen to Coast to Coast sometimes, uh, they have so many different guests, and not all of them are always as entertaining as you want them to be. And years ago, T. Krulos got my attention one day when I was terribly bored at work and entertained me the entire time he was on Coast to Coast. So when we were thinking about future guests to have, I had told Scott, like, we have to have tea. His yeah. books are amazing. The interview was hilarious. I just remember there were certain parts of it that I got to ask him about tonight. So anyway, <laughs> T, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah.
1: So okay, you're the author. You, you okay? You live in Milwaukee, correct? Yes. Okay. So you're just across the sea from us. From okay, we're over. I'm well. I'm from Grand Haven, so just across from Lake Michigan, and then we're sitting in Detroit mm-hmm. right now. But so we're kind of neighbors in a weird way. Uh, but yeah. you're the author of. Awesome books. And what I want to ask you first is about your superhero book. Uh, diving into the subculture of people who truly believe that they are superheroes and they go out and like fight people. <laughs> yeah. I, which I think yeah, a lot of people yeah. out there have a fantasy to do, but they don't actually act on it. <laughs> and I was intrigued that uh, one of the subcultures or one of the groups of people you followed were actually from Detroit. And I would love to hear about those. I would love to hear about the Detroit one scene. That's where we are right now. Yeah, please tell us all about this.
0: (laughs)
2: Yeah. Okay, sure. Well, so so to back up, this is um, about 10 years ago now already. Um, But what happened was I was was on the bus and I was reading the newspaper. And there's this fun column that's syndicated around called News of the Weird. Um, And there was just a really short blurb in there that said, hey, there's this group of people and they're adopting their own superhero personas and uh, some of them are actually going out and trying to fight crime. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I was, definitely was a, a comic book fan growing up yeah. and, and uh, I read this and it it went away for a second, but then it, it kept coming back to me and I was like, wait a minute, what are they talking about? <laughs> you know, what people dressing up like superheroes, it sounds really crazy. Um so i uh when I got home, I did a Google search to see if there's any real life superheroes in Milwaukee, because I was like, "I definitely want to meet someone if there's someone doing this here um So there was a guy named the Watchman, ooh, <laughs> and um we set up this meeting one night at a a park near my house, you know because you don't you don't meet a superhero for coffee or or whatever right. So, um, we meet up in this park and and there he was in his costume, and I was like, "Wow, this is for real
1: What, what was he wearing um
2: he's wearing he has a, a red rubber mask, a cowl um, he's got red gloves, and he's got a shirt with his logo on it, and then a trench coat and, and boots wow you know, and, and a sort of utility belt of sorts um So I became really fascinated. I had a very interesting conversation with him that night and I didn't think he was totally crazy. You know, I was like, (laughs) okay, I I get some of the stuff that you're talking about, you know, it's very interesting. Um, And I didn't have a book deal or anything at that point. So I would just um, work and save money. And and when I had a little bit of extra money, I would take a trip out to New York and and meet the guys out there or go to San Diego and hang out with some real life superheroes there. And I slowly pieced it together um, until eventually it became a book heroes in the night, which was published in 2013. And that was my first book. But yeah, there, there was a group. I don't know if they're still around at all, but they were called the Michigan protectors. Um, and they actually were a little bit controversial because um, I'm sure most of the members were trying to do good things, but there was an incident where one of the members named um, (laughs) B-Sting, who I believe was actually from Flint. Okay. Okay. And uh, he had, there was a, like, trailer park type of thing, and the manager had asked him, to sort of patrol this area because he was having some trouble with people that live there. Um, so this guy came riding into this park, um, on his motorcycle and was being really loud and beasting, like kind of jumps out of the bushes or whatever with a shotgun.
0: Oh, uh-uh.
2: basically pulls a, a shotgun on this guy for a, a noise violation, you know? Yeah. And, um, this guy is like, whatever. You're not going to tell me what to do, and they ended up like wrestling around, <laughs> and the shotgun went off oh. and hit an empty trailer. Oh,
0: an empty trailer. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So,
2: but I mean, think about how close that was. If, yeah. You know, it might not have been an empty trailer. Uh, so he got in some trouble uh, with the police and went to jail for a little while. But it just kind of shows you that you know real day life isn't always like a comic book you know people yeah. have bad judgment and make mistakes and
1: well did, uh, did so
2: i think there were some situations like that that were bad uh, i mean i think i also found some situations that were really good i met real life superheroes who were doing community organizing and you know doing charitable events and stuff like that
1: what did you find was the motivation behind Most of them, I mean, were the majority of them wanting to go out and do stuff like the charity, just do your good deeds, help your community, or was it the other way where they wanted to actually be Crime fighting. Yeah, crime fighting, be vigilantes.
2: Uh, It was a mix of both. There was some um, that did one or the other, uh, and some would focus just on doing one thing or the other. So, yeah, I mean, it ranged from very tame, you know, stuff like... um, you know, organizing visits to children's hospitals and yeah. handing out supplies to homeless people. Uh, up until people like Phoenix Jones in Seattle is another example. He was out there, like, trying to uh, hunt down criminals was, to fight that, them.
1: was that the one that got the cops involved?
2: The yeah, sp- I was actually out yeah. with him on patrol, <laughs> and he saw a group of people fighting, and he pepper sprayed them. Oh. <laughs> uh, and they got very uh, angry and the cops showed up and it was just kind of a chaotic scene
1: that's so awkward did they did they haul him off to jail or anything or just be well, like they,
0: dude no i thought they yeah that they arrested him. jones did yeah, yeah oh
1: okay yeah. okay
0: well this raises some very very obviously and i know you've probably thought about this t and this is cosplaying on steroids <laughs> i mean literally yeah um and I yeah. you know, and i I get fan fiction, uh, you know, I'm a fan of a lot of different franchises, N- not only comic book stuff, but you know, just any type of movies or whatever you want, whatever it may be. And yeah, I mean, i can i I understand the obsessive nature of of a comic book character, for example, how you can get pulled mm-hmm. into that character and want to know everything about them and end up trying to write your own storylines, and then ultimately, Try to encompass that character yourself, because of the ideals mm-hmm. you like about that character. Um, yeah. I, I get, you know, and I get that. I mean, role play, but it really, it comes down to this idea of of what role playing is, I guess. Uh, and I've never done any role playing, so I can't say I'm experienced in it. But that's what I see, and I think, you know, I mean, anybody wants to go out there and do something good. I mean. Even fight crime, I mean, I don't think there's anybody in the next in, in, the, in the few miles from us here, the studio, that would say that's a bad thing. But we all know the reality of that, though, too, unfortunately. And that's that yeah. it can be very dangerous. And they're not. Tra- I mean, let's be frank. I mean, I don't think all pol- even the all police are trained professionals <laughs> to a certain degree. But um, the idea is, I guess, is that they've been through training and whatnot. And when you have someone who doesn't have, doesn't know how to handle a shotgun <laughs> properly, it seems like, mm-hmm. for example. Um, I guess that's where the problems could come in with this sort of thing. It's a really slippery thing because, you know, it's funny. I mean, y- y- I see the humor and... and it's funny and, and noble at the same and, time. And, and noble and beautiful <laughs> and all these things. But you hate to see someone who's trying to do good stuff get hurt. You know, I mean, there's so many... Yeah. It's, it's a really weird paradigm of how it all kind of comes together and you know where do you where you'd sit as a person uh, i guess you know ethically <laughs> when it comes to this mm-hmm. thing but it takes a special person i think to do that to really take it that far and say you know what, I'm going to put a suit on you know i mean and i know that these a lot of these people and i you know they were their, their own character they're not like emulating some other character right uh but obviously it's an emulation i think of the great, the greater stuff out there. I guess all the comic books and whatnot. I mean, Pete, that's where the inspiration comes from. Am I correct?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, and you yeah. can see it in a lot of people's style. Their style is kind of similar to Batman or Rorschach from Watchmen, or you know, any whatever character they like. Yeah. But um, yeah, you're right. I think that there is there is a sort of fantasy level to it. Um, I mean, for one thing, it's just kind of thrilling to have this crazy secret you know even tangentially uh i was you know I, would, I was working on this book and uh i had a day job and my coworker would be like oh so what are you gonna do this weekend and i'd be <laughs> like oh, no nothing much but in my head i'd be like i'm gonna go out on a patrol with some real life superheroes." <laughs> you only knew that this is such a great secret that i have and you don't know about it there's kind of this thrill that i'm leading comic book style double life, even if it's not as exciting as something you'd see in the comic book. And then, yeah, there's this sort of thing, something I thought about, and I think maybe one of the reasons I got interested in it was um, when I was working on this book, I lived in a neighborhood of Milwaukee that was, I mean, a really cool neighborhood. A lot of musicians and artists and and writers live there. Um, But, you know, I have some crime problems, um, and I've had friends who have been very... Uh, violently mugged in that neighborhood oh. for sure as well as other crimes. So, you know, you hear a story like that uh, and you, or you see a picture on Facebook of your friend with a black eye because they got beat up and had their $10 stolen out of their wallet. And, you know, I was like, yeah, it makes you angry. And I was like, I wish I would have been there dressed like Batman. I would have jumped out of the, the shadows and, you know, saved my friend and punched this bad guy.
0: So and that's where that. I mean, I get it. Yeah. I get
2: it on some level. But yeah, it, but real life is not a comic book.
0: No, it isn't. So. No, and and it's logical, I think, to feel that way. I mean, especially if you're violated like that, if for ten dollars, like you said, for instance, it's so pointless. It seems like, and to have a violation like that done to you, yeah, you want. You know, a lot of people. I keep. I've been saying this for years. I think a lot of people. Uh, you know they use the term justice very loosely, and they say you know I want justice, yeah. I want justice, I want justice, and a lot of times I think what they I think that's just a it's a friendly word for revenge, <laughs> you know like hey you stole from me yeah, I, you know right. I want to get you back for that you should you you attacked me I I want you to pay for that now right uh, I think that's how a lot of people feel too I mean it's just as not of a friendly word I guess than justice right um, yeah. however yeah. It, it would be great just to be that that all-seeing eye over a city with a cool costume, and nothing gets away from your radar. And anybody that's got a problem, you handle it, right? I mean, it's a utopian type thing that it's this beautiful idea. But yeah, unfortunately, it not how the real world works. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, exactly. It, it, it's but it's it, but to see people take it that far, though, that's what fascinates me. Is it? I admire anybody who's willing to take their you know their passions that far. Or, or there aren't that far, even to, you know, even though I don't necessarily condone it, even to take it into dangerous territory like that, I still have to take my hat off to someone who's willing to go that far with it. I think that's absolutely fascinating.
1: Yeah. T, T, did you encounter anyone yeah, yeah. who genuinely believed they had powers?
0: Uh, um, <laughs> oh, God, I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that part.
2: <laughs> wow. Um, there are... I would say a very small handful of people um, that are in the real life superhero community that claim that they have some sort of power. Okay. Usually it's some sort of metaphysical power, you know, like they can read people's minds or influence people. Um, but those, those people are considered to be fringe within this fringe. Movement. Oh, wow. So the other real life superheroes are kind of like, yeah, you've got superpowers. Okay, buddy. <laughs> um, thanks for hanging out.
1: I don't know if I'd want to be the fringe so. guy in the fringe movement. <laughs> not-
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of people. Hmm. Wow, I didn't. I didn't even think not even. That about would make that sense, though.
1: That like someone's obviously not going to have laser eyes. Like they would be saying, "I can read your mind" or "I can control your thoughts." Like it makes total sense that that would be their power they'd be claiming to have. But oh, yeah, I don't know. Awesome. Um. Anyway, the, your second book, Monster Hunters. On the Trail with Ghost Hunters, Bigfooters, Ufologists, and Other Paranormal Investigators. This is kind of our realm mm-hmm. of of expertise mm-hmm. here. So what got you inspired to follow this group of weirdos around? I say that oh. affectionately. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, for one thing, I've always had an interest in this subject matter. Um, as I kind of say it in the, the beginning of the book, when I was young, you know, this was before... Um, You know, and maybe millennials won't understand this at all, but this was before the Internet, um, you know, and there wasn't really much that was interesting to watch on TV. Right. So I spent a lot of time at the library. Yep. um, And I very eagerly got any book I could find on Bigfoot, UFOs, the Bermuda Triangle, ghosts, all that type of stuff. Um, So, you know, I had a very heavy interest in that growing up. I finished Heroes in the Night, and um, uh, my publisher was like, what do you think you might be interested in doing next? And I was like, well, you know, I always see these people on reality shows and and stuff like that, but I'm really curious to to figure out how much of that is um, actual reality and, you know, what these people (laughs) um, was all about, you know? So I started putting together this sort of wish list of different people I wanted to meet. Um, so I wanted to meet whoever the grand master of cryptozoology was. Oh. And I found that to be Lauren Coleman, yeah, Coleman yeah. the International Cryptozoology Museum. Um, so I got to go out there and visit him, which was awesome. Um, there was a local team here in Milwaukee that I ended up following around um, as much as I could. Called the Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee, and uh, you know I went to their team meetings, and I went on investigations with them, and got to know them personally. Um, well, so I went to and then I did some little trips all over the country, and I went to the Mothman Festival, and I went to the International UFO Congress in Arizona, and just tried to get as many different um, perspectives as I could to, you know, try to write about people that I thought were interesting. And uh, I did write about a couple people that I think are a little bit phony and um, try to give people an overview of what, you know, the paranormal world was all about.
0: Well, oh, that raises an interesting question, T. Um, I mean, I, at least in the current field that there is right now. And I mean, I'll say this, across all the stuff i mean i know the 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 three main flavors the big three is you know ufos cryptids and ghosts as far as what you consider Mm -hmm. border science or or the you know parascience whatever you want to call it right um i guess what what do you think maybe as as far as a number and this may be a rough question to answer if it is just tell me to shut up i mean do you think there are some stuff or people out there with some stuff like that are that are working on something that they may be onto something I guess right or is the majority of it just people kind of just I don't know pushing kicking a can along I guess I don't know that wishful other way wishful thinking it. wishful thinking I mean what what are your thoughts on that as far as the field itself I mean is it just about like I said is it just a bunch of people out there trying to get a TV show because <laughs> that's what I find a lot I see even now I see a lot of that are people that are just trying to get a TV show or something like that right. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are as far as the legitimacy, I guess, of the field as are people truly trying to find answers, I guess.
2: Yeah. um, There is people definitely trying to find answers. I think Um, it's funny how all of these groups have some similarities, like um, the real life superhero guys. I found some, some of those guys, they really wanted a reality show. That's why they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, They were into the superhero thing because they wanted to have attention They wanted to potentially have fame. And then you met guys who didn't care about that and were very genuine, I think, in trying to help people out. I think it's the same with the paranormal stuff. Um, I met people who are in it for the wrong reasons, for sure. Um, But I think there is a lot of people who are very passionate about um, doing research and learning about, um, you know, the difference between good research and bad research. Yeah. Um, and good evidence and bad evidence. So I definitely met a range of different people and I, I think there's, um, good genuine people out there, but you're right. It, it often gets overshadowed by, um, people who are seeking attention or, you know, maybe just seeking for their own personal attention. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, I'm not trying to, not trying to be negative about their it. life. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. They want their life to be more exciting than it is maybe.
0: Well, I mean, I and I well, that statement though. I mean, I think people do get into this field because it's something that does excite them, and they they see. Because I know when I started doing this, I'm like, well, I need something. I want to I want to do something, and I found you know this study many years ago, and I'm like, oh, well, I could really get into this. And I think people do get into that, uh, you know maybe too bring some excitement into their life, right? I think a lot of people who especially get into ghost hunting and that 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 field, they find out very quickly that it's not the most exciting field to get into <laughs> as far as doing right. field research yeah. is concerned. Um but I do think, you know, people do it to obviously enrich their lives. I think, you know, from my observations over many years now, I think a lot of stuff gets clouded over time. And people yeah, there there comes that star factor, or star power thing, or whatever you may want to call it. And people go, oh man, I can maybe get a TV show now. Wow, this is great. And I think sometimes the goals or the mission may be changed over time as a result of that. And I mean, that's that's okay too. But one of the things that I've heard, and you kind of mentioned that too, with with the superhero people, and I hear this a lot in the, in the paranormal community, is our people, I meet them all the time, and, they, and the one thing they keep saying is, well, we're here to help people, which I think is fantastic. That's a totally noble thing. But I, my question to that, though, is how are you helping someone when you do not really know how to help them? We don't have any real answers when it comes to you know, someone's house that may be haunted. No one can definitively tell you what that is and prove it to you what it is also, so the question I have for that always is how are you really helping people when you don't know how to help them in the first place, right? And that's not to be a mean or a jerk or something like that, but I think it's a legitimate question to ask groups like that. Like, what are you doing to help them? <laughs> you're you're yeah. taking pictures and audio and you're showing it to them or, you know, whatever it may be if you're bringing sensitives in. So that's a, that's a question. Did you hear that in your travels from – Paranormal groups of that sort? Was that one thing that you heard from people?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, and sometimes I think people are um, doing clients a disservice by frightening them. You exactly. They well, don't yeah. necessarily know what's going on.
0: Yeah, and that's what I think you said good evidence and bad evidence.
1: Well, and T's book was written only in yeah. 2015. It's not that old. And no, since, yeah. since even that time, there's been this whole emphasis on the demonic. And yeah. you know it's a demon in your house, so you got to so call someone or you got to go talk to this guy. It's like w- yeah. what, yeah. like you know, like
0: that's you can't. not and that's not to be hard on people. I mean, I think most people have good intentions. They do really want to help, might, and they
1: might truly believe like there's a demon in here,
0: but it. Mm. But my but my my thinking, I guess, to kind of put it in perspective is, um, if somebody I know is on drugs you know, they're having a problem with substances or whatnot and they come to me for help. Well, I may be able, I mean, I have a lot of good advice for people that have problems with substances. However, I'm not a trained substance abuse professional, (laughs) right? Um, So I could be doing them a disservice in the long run. So I'm going to send them to a person who is a professional in that. And I don't think there really are people that have that kind of knowledge yet. That's my only thing that I'm kind of concerned about. I still am with this, with the field, especially with the ghost stuff, because, you know, a cryptid, you know, like a Bigfoot. I mean, we kind of have an idea of what it looks like UFOs. We kind of have an idea of what they look like ghosts and spirits and hauntings. I don't think we really have, aside from a handful of pictures that have been taken over the last hundred years. um, I don't think we really know what these things look like or what what really they are. You you feel you follow what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? So it's it's interesting to hear that. And again, I don't want to sound negative or mean or anything like that, but it's something that I think about a lot is this idea of what are your intentions? You know, what are you out there for? And I see a lot of this. I see a lot of similarities with the groups like, well, not only across, I think you're comparing across even with the superhero people, but I see a lot of similarities that I'm talking about within the community itself with all these groups from all over the country.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Um, the other very interesting thing that I kind of picked up on is, um, so a local team here in Milwaukee, Paranormal investigators in Milwaukee, um, or PIM as they're called,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, they really try to, when they go to clients' houses, they try to debunk what's going on if they can, you know?
0: And that's good. Uh, but yeah. I would
2: find that sometimes the clients would uh, seem to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, they'd be like, oh, I think, you know, if you walk on your floor a certain way, then then this door pops open because of the way the the floorboards are, or, you know, you're hearing a weird sound that it could be your radiator making that noise. And they would be uh, disappointed that there wasn't a more supernatural answer to it, you know?
1: Yeah. That's one of the, when I was doing more paranormal investigation, like years ago, that was one of the things that chased me away from it were people that actually were disappointed. Like, what? Well, no, I'm not crazy. I know it's not that squeaky floorboard. It's, you know, it's, yeah, it's that demon or it's that ghost we see every night. Like, And, and I, I don't know if people feel stupid and just want to be like, no, it's a ghost. It's what I thought it was. Well, they was. don't want
0: to be wrong. They don't want to be wrong. They, they have an opinion on what's going on. They don't want to be wrong. It's, you
1: know, it's exciting to have a ghost in well, your house. Or there's also been yeah. times that we've known people that teams have gone into places like such as like the infamous bed and breakfasts out there that they want you to verify that their place is haunted because they're going to begin marketing that yeah as a place to sleep and spend the night. So it's just like, oh, it's disheartening. Like, no. Um, But no, I think every group should go in, though, and that's the best way to do it is debunk stuff. You know, if you walk away, like, sorry, (laughs) you got a raccoon in the attic. There's a bat, you know, and that's. On top you of gotta that, do that. Yeah, this
0: isn't an exact, well, as I got done saying, people don't even, we don't really even know as far as spirits and ghosts are concerned. We don't know anything. I mean, how many years of researching this stuff? 100, over 100 years now, uh, you know, that we know of. Um, and we still don't really have any conclusive answers about this. So that being said, we know this. It's not an exact science or or border science, so um, maybe you yeah the group goes there to do some research at this house and these people are jumping up and down swearing that there's something happening there, and the people come there and at that time it just doesn't happen. You there's no way to predict. Sure, it. yeah, you, you there's don't that. Know. I know. You just don't know, right? Yeah. So how do you how do you? you I know you, you don't get. I, <laughs> I know. I throw my hands up. I don't know. Um,
1: <laughs> T's most recent book. I really really want to get some conversation going on this one because it's about the doomsday preppers oh my god these i don't know what to <laughs> think of these people i would i would think of all of the people you have interviewed so far and immersed yourself with in your books these would be some of the scarier ones well
0: oh, scare one, yeah it, okay go ahead sorry
2: it, like, you interrupt um here. um it was a bit more challenging for sure <laughs> um i I actually hit it off really well for the most part with the real life superhero guys, you know, because I think I showed to them very early on. I was like, Hey, I'll go on patrol with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, and I, I very much participated. I was like, I'm not going to sit here and sit in the corner and like make notes about you. And you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I was like, I'm there. I'm I'm going with you. I'm going to go on a patrol. Um, so they really warmed up to me pretty quickly. Cause I was, you know, helping them out with food handouts and all sorts of stuff. Um, And the the paranormal uh, associate people that I talked to, um, again, I got along with really well because I was really interested in it. I was like, this is so cool. I've never, um, you know, understood how any of this equipment works. So I'm getting to learn how to use this stuff and I'm getting to spend the night in a haunted building or out on a Bigfoot expedition. It was fun. Mm -hmm. but um preppers you know uh so one of the first things i did was i joined a prepping forum and i introduced myself and i said hey my name's t and um i've written a couple of books and I'm, i'm really interested in this stuff um and so if anyone wants to contact me i'd like to interview you maybe we can meet up sometime and you can show me your your preps And I got this really harsh uh, response right away. People were responding to me on the forum saying, you're in the wrong place, buddy. And, um, you know, here's this uh, big city guy that's going to try to make fun of us. And,
1: you
2: know, I was like, oh, this is going to be a tougher group of people to try to, you know, get immersed into. So it took some time, um, but I eventually started talking not just to preppers, but kind of a range. I always try to get a good range of different types of people. So I got some people that would call themselves homesteaders that are just kind of living off the land, you know. Um, And then I talked to your more average preppers and just explored a lot of different ideas about uh, people's ideas on how the world might end or, you know, completely change as we know it. So it was interesting. It was fun. It's also uh, frequently kind of depressing.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I can imagine this one. What was the most common uh, thing that people, how, how did people think the world was going to end from the people um, you talk to? Uh,
2: there's a pretty wide range of things. I mean, one of the things I explore is all of the ideas of an actual biblical apocalypse, which I think that was one of the things that got me rolling on this book. I've always been amused. To see people who are like, the world is going to end, and it's going to end October first, two thousand and nineteen. You know.
0: Yeah.
2: And then the day goes by, and you're like, "Well, the world's still here, it's still spinning." So.
0: The one thing. Um, the one so thing I noticed about those, sorry to interrupt, but sorry. the one thing I've noticed about that is, I mean, we've had that, we've had these end times dates. I mean, dozens and dozens of more, over the last yeah. decade from different groups of people. And the one thing I've honestly noticed is on those days, the weather seems to be its nicest. Like the weather, they're like glorious days <laughs> outside for some reason. And it's like maybe it's just because you, you know, you're You know, I don't think anybody. I kind of always scoff at that stuff. Like, oh, whatever. You know, this is another group saying the world's going to blow up here. Uh, but I think anybody kind of has that little morsel in them. They're like, but what if? <laughs> what what if mm-hmm. there what if these people are right? so I just noticed that the weather always seems to be really nice on those days. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but <laughs> I had to point no, that out okay. um
2: yeah uh and and like you said, we've been through it over and over. I remember there was this all this scare about y2k in the year 2000
0: oh yeah the yep.
2: Mayan apocalypse yeah. in 2012. Um, there's other dates that have been predicted. I talk about there was a blood moon prophecy that said the world was going to end in 2015. Um, In addition to the religious stuff, I think the stuff that's more down to earth than that, um, a fear of like a civil war situation or a world war situation um, where the world doesn't necessarily end, but there's a sort of nuclear Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just—I've just been watching. Um, you know, I know it's been out for a while, but I've just now been watching Chernobyl on HBO. Oh
0: man! Oh, you just opened a, up. It's a, a
2: very—I mean—it's an extremely frightening show because imagine that on a larger scale. You know, the world yeah. would be in in big, big trouble. Um, so, and then another topic I talk about in the book is um, climate slowly changing and um, some of the effects that could happen from that, um, you know, whatever the causes may be. But, you know, there's a lot of extreme weather that could significantly um, change things. And yeah, I mean, epidemics, stuff like that all could um, not destroy the entire world, but, you know, certainly make it a different environment.
0: Well, I think the, the main with the preppers, from what I've observed, and I could be totally off base on this, is the idea of the removal of, you know, the infrastructure that we have in place right now. Um, obviously, that's the idea, that the term living off the grid and stuff like that. Those are people that, like you've already said, they live off the land. But I, to me, I've always thought that the prepper people, were well, you know, they're prepping, obviously, for the entire infrastructure to be removed out from under us through things like you said, like nuclear war, like extreme weather, you know, I mean, things that, you know, we take for granted, really. I mean, the power, especially of, of, of mother nature and how weather works on this planet. I think, you know, that's the big thing for me. I've been watching is just the removal of infrastructure. Like you said, you mentioned in Chernobyl. I mean, that, that was kind of a different idea on that, but yeah, you're fighting in it. Their big thing was like, we're fighting an invisible enemy here. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to battle mm-hmm. this thing. Uh, and they're obviously, they did a lot of nasty things, though, too, in the midst of that, as, according to the story. Uh, but you still had hundreds of thousands of people who were affected by that disaster, by, you know, by what they did. So, I mean, really, to me, it, it, again, it's a removal of the infrastructure because... You know, you now you're being put on a bus to go God knows where, and you have nothing. You've lost all your possessions, right? So, I guess my question with the doomsday preppers is, you know, they're obviously. I mean, I guess their their idea is to is you know to get ahead of the game. Am I correct? Really? I mean, to, and that's what the whole term prep is. Correct? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of a ridiculous question, I know, but I'm trying to really I understand what they're doing exactly.
2: Yeah. Uh, so one more thing I'll mention really quick, because yeah. like, you're talking about infrastructure. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting books I read while researching it um, was called Lights Out by Ted Koppel, which Ted Koppel, you know, is not some tinfoil hat-wearing guy. No. He's a classic uh, news anchor, but he wrote this very frightening book that showed exactly how weak our electrical grid is oh, yeah. in this country. So uh, just imagine how much almost everyone relies on electricity for day-to-day life. Yeah. And then imagine that system being taken out with the snap of a fingers and not being able to be reconstructed for months and months mm-hmm. and months. You know, it would be a, a huge disaster All's on a takes, large scale. Yeah,
1: yeah. all it takes is an EMP Detonated, yeah. and then, and or even like a massive solar flare from the sun, which some of our researchers right. we follow, like Robert Shock, um, yeah. out there has often he, he wrote a whole book on that this could actually knock out our entire grid, uh, just a massive solar flare, and that's something you know that's something beyond our control. An EMP attack, yeah. that's you know that's well, I mean, I,
0: I can terrifying. S- I can speak from firsthand experience on this too. In two thousand three, here where we live in the Detroit area. There was a massive grid failure uh, it, that went statewide. It was massive, like the whole state shut down. And, yeah, and that
1: went up in the New York and all kinds. Yeah. yeah,
0: it went. It, yeah, it did. It, it was like the whole damn top of the country. It seemed like the, uh, or at least the, 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 northeast. the northeast top of the country. We lost everything. I don't know if you guys were hitting Milwaukee on the other side of the lake, T, but this was 2003. And I remember that. The po- I mean, we had no power. We had nothing. And we just kind of crashed out the first night at the house. And the next morning I got up and I just took a walk down the street, like the, the road, the main road that we were by. And overnight, people were already barriering up their businesses, putting up stuff in front of the doors and things like that and putting up signs like, we have no power here. Leave us, you know, st- things like that. And it was... Kind of like, you know, out of the movies <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Kind of going, oh, mm-hmm. dude, holy yeah. crap. And it scared me a little bit to see that. I mean, this was just a little bit. I mean, this was just a couple of gas stations I saw that had their their, their doors buried in because they had no power. And, I mean, just that one resource we have, like you're saying, how much we depend on that, and if that's gone overnight, it's chaos and that, and that, and it's chaos. So I guess as far as the doomsday prepper people are concerned, I don't think electricity is in their game plan. <laughs> Am I correct? I don't think. Yeah, they're...
2: no. Uh, to get back to your original question. Yeah. So a lot of preppers, I, I get it. Okay. Um, I met a couple of preppers up in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Yeah, which is probably actually a little bit closer if you go directly across the lake from here. Um, but anyway, you know, uh, they were willing to talk to me, which was great. And they showed me around their houses Yeah, and they're saying, you know, a lot of people nowadays, they don't know how to fix the engine in their car. Yeah, They make engines so you can't really fix them easily. A lot of people don't know how to tie a, a secure knot or start a fire. Um, and I was like, yeah, I, I totally get that. You know, those are skills that have been lost to people and, and people should know them because if their electricity goes out for months at a time, you know, you're going to want to know how to start a fire and, um, having skills like being able to preserve food or go out and go fishing, um, are going to be really useful. So I get that. Um, and part of the inspiration for the book was, you know, I've thought, I've thought about it. I'm like, if the world was ending, how long would I last out there? Mm. And to be realistic with myself, uh, I think the answer is not too long, you know. Mm. We'll probably be okay for a little while, but I don't have a lot of survival skills, you know. I know especially now after writing the book, I was able to learn a couple. But a lot of people are way unprepared um, for anything like that. So I really get it up until a point. But it seems like with a lot of preppers, there's sort of this line from I've got um, a healthy hobby, and I like learning new skills. And then they kind of cross this line where it's like, I'm paranoid. I'm going to lock myself up in a bunker with a bunch of machine guns and beef jerky. (laughs) And if any of my neighbors come near me, I'm going to shoot them. You know? Yeah. I think that there's, there's a certain point where you have to also... Um, you know, I wouldn't want to live like that. I wouldn't want to live locked up in a bunker with a bunch of guns, afraid that everyone else is going to kill me. I'd rather die to be, to be more honest. Um, so I think, you know, there's kind of a a line that people step over between, um, prepping and being prepared for something and just being paranoid.
0: Go ahead. No, go ahead, Scott. Well, I was going to say that I think that whole field, and I don't mean this in any negative way whatsoever, but I think the whole belly of that field is based on paranoia. I think it, that's the root of it. And I think, like you said, it starts with this paranoia fueled idea of like, well, you know, maybe we should, you know, get some things prepared here in case something happens right? I mean, look, we'll get ourselves some food stocked away here and maybe get a little underground thing set up here in case and whatnot. And I think, yeah, people just kind of, like you like you said, I've never really heard of it referred to as a hobby before, to be honest with you. But I mean, I can see that. I can see that. And I think, yeah, it takes over the mind where, yeah, that's where that par- paranoid driven obsession gets fueled more and more. And yeah, you have the people that start getting a little weird, I guess. I mean, just different ideas um i i understand their ideas personally and i support them but i think yeah they start again off the grid now and it's like well we just need to not be the logic to me is solid well we're never really Mm -hmm. part of the grid in the first place when the grid goes down then we're not going to have any problems that's logically sound i mean why be a part of it if you think it's going to fall apart but we don't know if it's going to fall apart (laughs) we just don't know But I'd last about fifteen minutes, probably if this thing happened. I I'd, I'd just I'm. I'm so I'd pathetic. be curious.
1: I've always said if it's the end of the world scenario, I'm shaving my head because it's completely acceptable. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm doing a mohawk, something weird.
0: No mohawk. Just
1: yeah, I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna world's play, over with no, a mohawk. I'm, I'm going Mad Max. Like I'm gonna shave my head. But anyway, um, <laughs> I I just I don't know how desperate when when that would kick in. Like how desperate you could actually get to survive. Like, you know, grabbing a fish and ripping it apart and eating it with your bare hands. Like you're, that kind of stuff, like, just what actually could come over me. I that kind of intrigues me to think about because I think I'm capable of more than just like going, "Well, that's enough. I don't have my phone and I don't have snacks, so I'm out." <laughs> you when know. I, when I
0: was in Baltimore for my vac- vacation this year, I was out there and I remember walking down, you know, in one of the pl- plazas in downtown Baltimore. And there was this duck walking around, because it was right by the inner harbor, and there was this duck walking around. And I saw the duck, and I'm like, oh, he's such a cute little duck. Look at the cute duck. And this, this guy, was he looked bit like he was probably homeless. And He says, that yeah, looks good. That's good eating right there. And I'm like, you don't want to eat. It's a cute duck. He's like, you've never been hungry before, boy. And I was like, oh. That, yeah, see, I'm right there. That drive the. I mean, I took that, and I'm like, I know you're right. I've never been homeless. Yeah. So I, I don't I, have those impulses. I'm getting
1: angry when I haven't eaten in two hours. I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't had a snack in two hours. Yeah, yeah. You
0: know, like, what the hell? What about someone who's actually gone, like, a week? Your snack that's wrapped in a plastic thing yeah. that you get in a box, that you get in a, yeah. in a, in a, in a box store. Tastes super good. The, 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 the survival element's completely removed from that whatsoever, Yeah, as opposed to going out and actually having to get your own, like, get your I, own food. I know,
1: T, you said you you learned a few things with these guys. Uh, what, what skills? did you take away from your doomsday prep?
2: Oh, oh um, well, there was a couple experiences I had. Um, I went to an event called Escape the Woods, which oh. was in Ohio. Um, it was run by a survivalist named Creek Stewart. Okay. Um, and the whole weekend you just learn how to tie different knots, um, learn how to make fires out of unusual things like Um, He taught us how to make a fire using a guitar pick and a magnifying glass. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which was interesting.
1: Um,
2: And how to make your own filter so you can filter water and some basic first aid type stuff. Um, So it was fun, you know, and it was a nice camping experience. And um, you got to learn a couple of things here and there. Um, Another group I met that I really liked um, was a group called Zombie Squad. Ooh. And um, they use a zombie apocalypse as like a metaphor. So they don't believe it's actually going to happen, but they believe if you're prepared or if you like, you know, study scenarios like that, then you'll pick up some skills that will help you out in the case of a natural disaster or something like that. So it was the same thing. I went on a camping trip with them in Missouri. Um, It was really fun. It was on this remote mountain that we had to, to climb up and, they did workshops that were very similar about filtering water and uh making tools and stuff like that. Uh and they were cool because they're more uh community oriented so they'll do workshops where the community is invited to learn skills and they also have a lot of fun stuff they do like watching zombie movies together. <laughs> so uh, it was a fun time.
1: I feel like that's what life skills class has to be in in school. Like in junior high, I learned how to make a pizza and sew like an octopus together, both what, what, two what, what? worthless things. Sew <laughs> so a what? An octopus. We had to pick like a plushie to learn how to use the sewing machine. Oh
0: thank! you. I'm like, and wait, I they showed, give you a
1: no, not octopus. a octopus. No, that's gross. <laughs> gross. <laughs> yeah, so no. How uh, do you sew it together? It's an no, invertebrate. No, no, no. You, you can't sew
0: it. The needle will just goes right no, through no, it. No, 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 no,
1: no. It was a weird. plushie. So anyway, we had to learn how to use a sewing machine, not, you know, heaven forbid we learn with our hands, we still are using electricity and the machine. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, learning those kind of skills, because my Girl Scouts, I was, I was that kid that was horribly disappointed in my Scouts because we seriously did like the environment badge. Okay, great. What are we going to do? Oh, we made a diorama on like a particular place that's endangered. And then what did we do? We threw it in the garbage. So like the rainforest, like and that's like so we they, didn't you don't learn go there anything. And tie yourself
0: to a tree or something. No, for that badge? we what sold
1: cookies. We did nothing. I learned nothing, and I was actually a bitter little child. I was so jealous of my fellow Boy Scouts who were camping out in the wild, learning how to start fires, learning how to cook on a fire, um, all that tie a knot, all that stuff. Yeah. We learned none of that in Girl Scouts. So I was thrilled when I learned that girls could join the scouts. I'm like, good, I would have been that kid.
0: CT, you're not here in the studio, but you should see the look on her face as she's <laughs> saying all
1: this. I still feel it. <laughs> still feel Anyway, you've been carrying this on your I shoulders have. for all these years. I just got to let it go. <laughs> so anyway, uh, T, I just want I, before we let you go here, because um, I know we're wrapping up for the hour. You have two books coming out still that I know are going to be awesome. One of them being on my publisher, History Press. So I was geeked to see that my publisher, my, publisher. my publisher. So I was, I was geeked to see that yeah. about. Um, uh, Milwaukee, or was no Wisconsin legend and lore.
2: Wisconsin legends, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And wow. so, uh,
1: what are some of the weirder things that what do you think are the standout stories besides Beast of Bray Road in Wisconsin?
2: <laughs> um, this book has been really fun because it's a, a little bit of a change of pace from my other books, just uh, collecting some classic stories. Beast of Bray Road is a good one. Uh, the Hodag out of Rhinelander, Wisconsin.
1: Ooh, what's the it's a Hodag? Pretty famous
2: one. The hodag. um so in the eighteen sixties, late eighteen hundreds, I forget the exact time frame, uh this man said he had captured a picture of this hideous monster they found out in the woods. Um and everyone believed him for a while. Um and it turned out later that it was a hoax. He'd created this monster out of wood and bullhorns, uh, and he called it a hodag. <laughs> um but it's sort of become this, you know, I love small towns that have like this one claim to fame that they, uh, you know, promote a lot. So like the high school football team is called the Hodags, and the local okay. uh, music station is the Hodag, And um, they have a, a huge statue of this monster outside of the Rhinelander Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> That's great. Big thing there. Um, I have a chapter about different ghost lore. Of course, there's tons of ghost stories all over Wisconsin. Sure. Um, uh, So I I run through not all of them, but some of the more well-known ones, like the Fister Hotel here in Milwaukee, um, and the Ridgeway Ghost, which is a real classic ghost story from western Wisconsin. Um, And then I run through a lot of legendary places and some urban legends. I really love urban legends. Yeah. I've got a few of those in there. Um, you know, a lot of the, lo- every, uh, or a lot of states will have these stories about a creepy country road that you drive down and yep. you'll see a monster or something or a ghost or something like that.
1: Um. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm geeked for you to write that because I'm kind of like back and forth with my editor right now. I'm doing something similar with Michigan. So I was like, cool, Ooh. he's doing that. Because that publisher used to be really, really just focused on super localized. Like, they'd only want you to write about Milwaukee and nothing more. And mm-hmm. now they're starting to expand yeah. and doing, like, the state. So I, th- I thought that was super cool. Um, one thing I'm jealous of that you seem to participate in, or at least when I oh, am look, yeah. like, seeing you on social media uh, pop stuff up around Christmas time, are you part or is, does this thing exist – an actual Milwaukee Krampus parade?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so there's a group called Milwaukee Krampus Eigenheitz, and they're like the group of performers, but I am the director of the event itself.
0: Oh, oh wow. So
2: we do it We do it every December 5th. Uh, it takes place at this awesome place called the Bavarian Beer House, oh. which is an old uh, German-style beer hall with a beer garden attached to it. And we have bands and we have a vendor floor and a Krampus parade with um, last year. I mean, we had an entire German drum and bugle corps and then about 50 or 60 costumed Krampuses. Oh, that is
1: awesome. And do they go all out like the European like parades? Is it pretty good costumes?
2: Yeah. um, In fact, I mean, they range. Some of them are uh, we kind of welcome whoever wants to come up with a costume.
1: Sure.
2: Uh, And they range from, you know, some simple homemade ones to some of the members of our group. They've actually had like their masks hand carved in Austria oh. and they have like a, a genuine yak, uh, fur suit. Wow. Um, and they spend a lot, spend a lot of money or spend a lot of time making these costumes. You said so, it's December really 5th? fun event.
0: You said it's December 5th. My God, we should yeah, go. December 5th, I know, I'm, um, no, I'm smelling a road trip. We're not that far from you. No, team. we're not. Yeah. Yeah. No,
2: yeah. you should go. It's, it is, I've heard nothing but um, really good feedback about how much fun people have. I think part of it is it's before like you have to do all the holiday stuff you may not especially enjoy. Yeah. So yeah. this is a, a time where you can have this creepy cool time and you know not stress out.
1: Oh Yeah. I, I was so jealous when I started seeing you post that stuff because how how long have you been doing it? It's it's not that old, right?
2: No, this will uh this will be our third year this December. Okay. So we were we did the first year and I was like, oh, this is gonna be kind of fun, you know. Hopefully people are interested in it, and we just had such an overwhelming interest. Like, you know, we've gone to capacity at the place uh, every year we've done.
1: So. So cool. Well, thank you so much. I I know. We're going to be seeing you soon, T. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Good,
2: good. You should totally go. It's worth going. So much
1: fun. Well, thank you so much for spending this hour with us and telling us all these great stories and sharing your books with us. And, um, any course, we want to have you back when
0: yeah, like, future books come out, and, and then,
1: yeah, if we come stalk you in Milwaukee Ooh, well, and I'm do to, well, things. yeah, I'm
0: going to Milwaukee, I'm, I'm, at least I'm planning on That's
1: it. the metal threat fest, though. No,
0: no, no, I'm just going to go see a band play there. Oh. I say, I always stay in Cudahy, which is, like, right outside of Milwaukee. Um, yeah. There's yeah. a hotel there called the Sheridans that... I, oh I just, yeah! It's my favorite hotel yeah. to stay anywhere. I've I've come out to Milwaukee for for a, a, a couple of music fests over the last few years, and I somehow stumbled upon this hotel, the Sheridans, which is a very old building. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm in love with that place. So whenever I try to, whenever I can find an excuse to get out there and stay and cut a hay, you know, which isn't far from Milwaukee, uh-huh. um, I try that. So I think I may have an outing in November now to do, which I already have that plan. And I think we're going to come to the Krampus thing. Now <laughs> we're, we're going to have to do awesome. that. Now. Just so I can stay at that damn hotel. Cause I, love, I love that hotel so much. No, thank it's you. It's
2: a very cool hotel. It has a really good uh, breakfast, too. Their food's
0: amazing. That's what, that's what I'm telling Amber. I know. Like, Scott talked about the breakfast. I, I'm like, the food's amazing. The rooms are awesome. The place is just so well laid out. Every room is, is a mile after a winery, basically, in, in its native country. I love that idea. I don't know what it is. I just love that joint. Yeah, the food is incredible. So, yeah, you'll be seeing us pretty soon, Keith, T. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think this is going to happen. Now. Great. Cool. Well, thank you again that's, for that's joining great. us. Milwaukee's a cool place. Oh, I love it there. It's so much fun. But no, thank you again for joining us. We really yeah, we'd love to have you back on again sometime. It was super cool talking to you. And again, yeah, thanks for taking the time to talk to us, T. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Anytime.
0: Go sleep. <laughs> ah. ah. <laughs>